Jesus' friends were arguing. Who was the most important helper in God's kingdom, they wanted to know. I am, James said. No, you're not, said (laughs) Peter. I am. Nonsense, Matthew said. I'm the cleverest. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes. No, am too. (laughs) This silliness went on and on like that for some time. You see, Jesus' friends had started thinking they had to do something to make themselves special to Jesus. That if they were the cleverest or the nicest or something, Jesus would like them best. But they had forgotten something. Something God had been teaching his people all through the years. That no matter how clever you are, or how good you are, or how rich you are, or how nice you are, or how important you are, none of it makes any difference. Because God's love is a gift. And as anyone will tell you, the whole thing about a gift is, it's free. All you have to do is reach out your hands and take it. So while Jesus' friends were arguing, some people who knew all about getting gifts, in fact, you might say they were gift experts, had come to see Jesus. Who were they? They were little children. Jesus' helpers tried to send them away. Jesus doesn't have time for you, they said. He's too tired. But they were wrong. Jesus always had time for children. Don't ever send them away, Jesus said. Bring the little ones to me. Now, if you had been there, what do you think? Would you have, to, would you have had to line up quietly to see Jesus? Do you think Jesus would have asked you how good you'd been before he gave you a hug? Would you have had to be on your best behaviour and get dressed up and not speak until you're spoken to? Or would you have done just what these little children did? Run straight up to Jesus and let him pick you up in his arms and swing you and kiss you and hug you and then sit you on his lap And listen to your stories and your chats. You see, children love Jesus. And they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was to run into his arms. And so that's just what they did. Well, after all the laughing and games, Jesus turned to his helpers and said, No matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose your child's heart, full of trust in God. Be like these children. They are the most important in my kingdom. Okay, thank you, Dan. Just written down the last, um, this verse from Matthew 18, who ever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and uh, we're going to look at that a bit later but you're going to do the work this morning Uh, we're going to learn together you've heard a story Uh, it's taken from a couple of passages that are repeated across the gospel so
If I was to ask you this question, what does that story tell you about Jesus? Or we could say, what does that story tell you about God? Because Jesus is God. So, um, oh, this is where you, we'll, we'll have rewards here. I might need a reward giver. Anybody want to be a reward giver? If you're a reward giver, you get extra. <laughs> okay. We might need two. So, uh, more marshmallows. Anybody else want to be a reward giver? Oh, nobody likes marshmallows then. Ah, Iris does. There you are. You can help yourself to as many as you want once you've given a few out. Um, So, it can be a word or a phrase. What does that story tell you about Jesus? Shout out. He's got time for everyone. Yeah, well done. Something else. Sorry? He's non-judgmental. Very good. Okay, good. This side? He likes children. He likes children, yeah. He loves children. When they try to stop the children coming to Jesus, which the disciples do, he says he's indignant. He's cross about it. Let them come. All right, he likes children. More? What else does it tell you about Jesus? He's gentle. Very lovely. Good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. He understands that trust, if you trust in this Jesus, it's going to bring great joy. Very good. Anybody else? Come just as we are. Thanks, David. Marshmallows are flowing nicely now. Anybody want to add to that? Tells you quite a lot about Jesus' story, doesn't it? One more. Sorry, he's, he's just like the Father. Okay, yeah. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Very good. Okay, so it tells us things about Jesus. Tell me, what does this story tell us about the grown-ups in the story? They thought they had to earn his love. Yeah, okay, that'll do very well. Any more? They'd forgotten what it was like to be a child. How do we know they've forgotten what it's like to be a child? Do you remember how it starts the story? They're arguing about who is the greatest. Okay, they thought that they were better than others, yeah? They were arguing about who's the greatest among them. Uh, it's a bit of an embarrassing thing to be kind of <laughs> peeping in on, isn't it? Um, I don't think anyone of us would like to be caught up in that conversation and then have it relayed to millions around the world for the rest, <laughs> rest of history. Oh, you're Peter, are you? You're Matthew, oh yeah, we know a bit about you. You were arguing about you were going to be the greatest. Uh, embarrassing moments, yeah. Okay, anything else about grown-ups? Okay, yeah, they, they were, they were sh- their weakness was an opportunity for, for attack from, from, from their enemy. Very good, L- Harry. Ah, good one. They figured God would only be interested in them if they were 
important. And they'd lost their first love. Give this lady a marshmallow. Yeah, very good. They'd lost their first love. So there's quite a lot in there, isn't there? Quite a lot about, you know, we, we've got the grown-ups. You can sit down and have, help yourselves to some marshmallows. Oh, actually, no. No, wait a minute. I'll, just one more question. How about this for a question? So what is the story trying to teach us? Is there, what, what is it trying to teach us? This is tricky. I appreciate that, but... Come on, Barbara, you've got an answer, I can tell. Come as you are. Come as you are. Very good. Give that lady a sweetie. Come as you are. Uh, anything else? God has no favorites. That's good. And one over here sounded good. Trust God completely. Now, I like that one. Trust God completely. Be like a child. So do children, thank you very much, we've, we've the youngest member of our, we have a Friday morning prayer meeting, and we've got a new person started coming along, and um, his name is Joshua, and he's about this big, I don't know, he's about six months old, I think, he's, Kathy's not here, are you Kathy? I haven't seen her, and, and Joshua comes to the prayer meeting, and um, he was being quite vocal this Friday. He was joining in and giving it his best. And um, we were joining with him and giving it our best. And, uh, you know, and when children get a bit upset, then they'll go to their mum, you know. And Kathy's there and she's looking after him. And, you know, we all take a turn patting him and he calms down. And, and, and it's great. It's great to have uh, him there. We love it. But... You know, I was just reflecting when I looked at him on Friday. I thought, there's such an incredible trust between a a little child and their parent. And they don't have to be taught it. It's just instinctive, isn't it? They think think their parents, their mom, their dad can give them everything they need. And they're kind of the source of all safety. And unless in those occasions where people have, children have been abused in one way or another and quickly lose that and that is possible but for most there's this instinctive trust almost innocence my dad knows everything and my mum can do everything and you know everything's fine in the world and at some stage that kind of starts to break down (laughs) and uh, you remember Mark Twain said uh, See, when I was 15, I couldn't believe how ignorant my dad was. But when I got to 21, I was amazed at how much he'd learned. <laughs> because we just have a, a take on people and, uh, and, and we lose that. And, and, and so there's a loss of trust in parents. But the, when Jesus, in fact, in one of the scriptures, he says he took babies. And he said, unless you become like this little baby, you can't enter the kingdom of God. You just can't, you've missed it all com- together. There is something, like Phil said, just this deep trust that a child has in the parent that is the essence of what it means to trust Jesus, to trust his love, to trust his care, trust he'll provide, trust he'll keep me safe, trust he'll look after me, 
Trust he'll be there in the middle of the night when I have a nightmare or whatever a little child might need might be. He's there. He's there. And so when the backdrop is they're arguing about who's the greatest, Jesus just takes a little child in the midst and he says, I'll show you what greatness is like. It's like this little child. And unless you can become like this little child, you can't enter the kingdom. And uh, so, what's that then? What is the lesson Jesus is really trying to teach them with this little child who is able to, you know, part of the story was very good at receiving, uh, happy to ask, Could I have, can I have some flowers please, Jesus? And he's happy to give. But there's a deeper message than that. It's a childlike trust. Not childish, but childlike trust. And... Um, And it's just this word. I don't know what you think. If I say the word humility, I wonder what you think. Because Jesus said this, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So somehow, a child represents humility. Unless you humble yourself, the greatest is this, the one who can become like this child. If you want to be great, in the kingdom, it isn't how important you are, how good you are at this and good at that, that. But it's about whether you can be childlike, humble, that is, in this way. You put your entire dependence on God and nowhere else. That is humility. It's not, it's not a, oh, poor, you know, I'm weak. <laughs> I love the story of Winston Churchill when he was, he was in opposition in the late 40s in uh, in Parliament, and uh, I think it was Anurin Bevan stood up to speak, and he sat down, and Churchill stands up and says, well, I know he, he says he's a very humble man, and he has a lot to be humble about. And we kind of think of humility as this sort of, so, we, you know, we acknowledge what we're not. That isn't what Jesus was saying at all. He said, if you want to know what humility is, if you want to know who's the greatest in the kingdom, it's this, is having an entire, almost innocent dependence on the faithfulness of God and the sufficiency of God to meet your need at any time, wherever you are, at any moment of the day. That is humility. It's the opposite of pride, which says, well, can I be this? Can I be that? I'm important. I'm this. I can do that. You know, and I mean, Jesus just doesn't rate that in the kingdom. It doesn't seem to measure up. And you came out with a lot of that. And those, you know, what is it teaching us? That these things are not where it's at. I want to finish just with uh, one of my heroes, Hudson Taylor, and a quote which should have gone on the screen, but we had a software incompatibility, I think you call it, and a forgetful day um, between them. <laughs> Meant we're not going to get this quote, but I'll read it out to you in a minute. But... Um, I mean, an amazing man. Um, Hudson Taylor was uh, born in Barnsley, Yorkshire. His parents were chemists. They ran a chemist shop. And, um, and funnily enough, they prayed when this child was conceived that he would go to China or she would go to China. Because um, they had the, the millions in China who'd never heard the gospel on their heart. And if you know the story of Hudson Taylor, that's exactly what he did. 
he felt this tug in his heart that he had to go to China and share Jesus with the millions and millions and millions of people there. And so when he was in his late teens, he decided he had some things he must learn before he went to China. And the first one was that if he was going to go to China, he would have to be able to learn to trust Jesus completely for money. And so he decided he had to test it out. And he, you might know this story that he's in Whitechapel because the other thing he had to learn was how to, he, he felt that to be a doctor would be the most effective way to meet Chinese and bring medical care and that sort of thing. So he went to the London Hospital in Whitechapel to train. And, and while he was there, he worked, um, he worked and, and he didn't get paid. The, 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 the doctor forgot to pay him. And he only had half a crown, two and sixpence. You won't know what that is, some of you, but anyway, it's, it's, it was a significant amount of money. It was all he had to live on. And he came across this family that he knew who were in, in absolute dire straits. And he felt he ought to give them his two and six, his last half crown. And he couldn't. And he walked on. And he thought, it's everything I've got to live on. But he was so convicted that he went back and he found this family and he gave them this bit of last money so they could feed this. The mother was very sick. And um, so he had nothing, nothing to eat. And, um, and the next morning, as you can imagine, this testing God for provision, he got his back pay and he got a bonus from this place and that place. And he, learned, he says he learned a lesson in that, that God will always help and God will always provide. He used to talk about Ebenezer, which God will help. God always helps and Jehovah Jireh, God always provides. And it was a motto of the mission that is going to come out of him. So eventually he sets off his sails from Liverpool to China on a, and it almost is shipwrecked off Wales. I mean, they, it's a miracle change in wind that rescues him. He's given his life over to God. He thinks he's going to drown. He's never going to get to China. Can't understand it, but God knows. But as, as they're heading for the rocks off Anglesey, a wind just turns and they... And he gets to China and he starts his mission there. And, and um, it's a long story. It's a long story. He's not with a proper agency. They, f- they don't send him money. He's having to learn how to live off whatever comes his way. But by the grace of God, again and again and again, God proved himself faithful. And he never once asked for money. In all his years of serving in China he never made an appeal for funds he said Jehovah Jireh God provides I trust him like a child in an innocent trusting entire dependence on God he believed him for that and over over the time ten I mean hundreds of thousands indeed millions came in to that agency without ever asking for a penny and um and so he goes through incredible challenges. He, dra- he, he realizes trying to bring Western Christianity to China isn't, isn't really what it's all about. So he becomes a Chinaman in all appearance. He gets a cue. Pig, he was called the Pigtail Mission. They mocked him. Um, and, um, and he starts to travel inland. Nobody's been inland. They're just in Shanghai. 
And, uh, and, and we just get this unfolding, and then he feels God's calling him to start his own mission. He comes back to England, he's on the beach at Brighton, and God says, I want you to go. And I want you to go with 22 other missions, it was, to these inland parts. And he prays for 22 others to go with him. And he finds them and they set sail. Uh, 22 missions and Hudson Taylor. And by now his wife go. She dies. Grace, his oldest child, dies. Others of his children die. There's all sorts of cost to going. And he starts a magazine called China's Millions. And it's from there I want to read this closing quote because this is a definition of humility of greatness being childlike in his faith and that is putting his entire dependence on God so this would have been up there he says this want of trust you know, a lack of trust if you like want of trust is at the root of all our sins and all our weaknesses. Think about that. (laughs) You might not think it's at the root, but a want, a lack of trust in God, is at the root of all our sins and all our weaknesses. How shall we escape it? But by looking to Him and observing His faithfulness. And then he says this, All God's giants, all God's giants have been weak men who've done great things for God because they reckoned on Him being with them. Let us not give Him a partial trust, but daily, hourly serve Him, counting on His faithfulness. And uh, in the end, trusting that faithfulness putting his entire trust in this God. He had a thousand missionaries on the field in every province across the land of China and fulfilled his dream, which was that that would happen. And I just want to encourage you, whatever is the situation, it's not just a concept, it's a practice, and it's not just for a moment in time, it's in this situation, I'm going to depend on God. At this moment, I'm going to depend on God. In, in this, <laughs> you know, whatever your situation. And, and that's the wrestle, isn't it? It doesn't just happen automatic. If you read the, the new biography, or pretty new, of Hudson Taylor by uh, Jim uh, Cromarty, uh, you, just can, you just get an insight in detail into an amazing life what it is to learn to live in humility. The greatest, one of the greatest missionaries of all time. All God's men are weak, but they trust in a great, great God. And they trust in his faithfulness. A moment by moment, hour by hour, that's where we lean. That's where we put our trust. And it's, um, you know, the Bible just says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. You can, you can know it as a concept, but it's the heart that has to trust in the Lord completely. And we find he is Jehovah Jireh. He provides. And he's Ebenezer, 
<laughs> Sounds an old-fashioned way, doesn't it? But it's the Lord who helps. He's my help always. So, uh, so, is that it? I'm going to leave the marshmallows at the front here, so you can help yourself. Should we just finish with a prayer? Thank you, Lord, for marshmallows. You give freely of everything. <laughs> um, but, Lord, we thank you for Jesus, Father, that you gave your son. You gave him for us. And that, Lord, Lord, we want to be those who express uh, greatness through humility, that our entire dependence is on you in whatever situation we face. Lord, we get over the the emotional frigidity that Dave talked about, the things that have got locked up. I spent some time today with a guy, this week rather, who, who hadn't got past an event. He hadn't, allowed, he hadn't emotionally got past an event, so it's a sense of being frozen, stuck. But we can trust in God completely. And I pray, Father, for that moment by moment, hourly serving you, trusting completely in your faithfulness. And I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we go deeper into that. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Amen.